I didn't really think about it before I came, and maybe uh, most people don't. But if you, as an American, where no one has eaten whale, I mean, there's very few examples of Americans eating whale, um, even when it was plentiful. So, and it's kind of it's it's a non-starter in America to say that someone would eat whale or dolphin. Um, so you have to make your own decision when you come to a place like this. And my, my friends are often surprised, you know. But for me, I thought about it a lot, and um, I drew a line that said uh, in my mind, as long as it's not endangered, I eat other kinds of meat. So I don't see why um, I wouldn't eat whale or dolphin. I don't think you can argue. A lot of people argue intelligence or different things, but I don't think there's a big difference between um, cows and pigs, which is a whole other debate. But anyway, in my mind, I decided if it's not endangered, I'm willing to eat it. Welcome back. You're listening to The Real Issues, Real Voices, Real Japan podcast by Japan Forward. Here at Japan Forward, we bring to our audience issues that are of real importance in and about Japan from the perspective and context of people inside of Japan, as expressed or captured by them who truly understand the nuances of culture, issues, and current events. In today's session, we chat with Jay Alabaster, who lives in Taiji, in the western part of Japan in Wakayama Prefecture. Taiji is infamous for whaling and dolphin hunting and was mostly publicized by the feature documentary The Cove. The hunting season just finished recently, so we catch up with Jay for some updates. Everyone, thank you for joining us again for our weekly tour space. Every week we're seeing more people join us for this live foundation and listening to our podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And we appreciate it very much. Before we get started, let us introduce ourselves. Naito-san, would you like to do the honors? Yeah, thank you, Galileo. Hi, uh, my name is Yasuo Naito. I'm editor-in-chief of Japan Forward. For anybody unfamiliar with us, uh, we started Japan Forward in 2017. The goal to reach global audiences sharing stories, opinions, and editorial contents from Japan. Our mission shared by our supporters and followers is to raise awareness of the Japanese spirit, culture, and tradition. Okay, let's start. So let's introduce some of our editorial staff who are on the call um, today. So maybe again, sorry, Naitan, beginning with you, can you tell, give an introduction of who you are? Oh, I've already done a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm editor-in-chief uh, of Japan Forward. I'm a Sankei Shimbun reporter as well, and uh, I've been in Russia for about 10 years. And uh, well, the Russia is some very, uh, a country that everybody's interested in. Uh, and uh, well, uh, four years in London. So I'm kind of... Uh, I'm working on this, I mean, you know, as a journalist. Thank you. Thank you, Naito san. How about we can have Susan next? Hi, I'm Susan. Nice to talk to you, Jay. Uh, I'm uh, the senior editor for Japan Forward, and I am very interested always in whale research. Of course, I like the, the other aspects of whaling, the, the communities that uh, live off of the whaling activities and their culture and things. That, that's always very interesting to me as well. Uh, my background is uh, from uh, the United States. I'm a lawyer, and the whaling and indigenous uh, fisheries um, are something I've always been interested in. Thanks. All right. Thank you, Susan. And we have Ariel next. Hi, I'm a reporter at Japan Forward. I have been for uh, three and a half years now. And uh, uh, I actually went and reported in Taiji before, and I've known Jay for a while now. So I'm uh, really excited to be talking today. And uh, uh, yeah, I cover a range of topics at Japan Forward, uh, going from economics, politics, uh, culture, and uh, yeah, it's great day. All right. And lastly, me, I'll be like the host slash moderator for today and have the pleasure to introduce our guest. And that is Jay Alabaster, a PhD student at the Walter Cronkite School of Journalism at Arizona State University. 
He is currently studying the waiting, in the waiting town of Taiji, where he lives and conducts research. He'll be teaching at Waseda University as an adjunct professor from April this year, so in a couple of weeks. And Jay has been contributing to Japan Forward since about 2018, so shortly after we started, and has published about 11 pieces a couple of years ago, late 2020, in cooperation with the Institute of Citizen Research. Jay started a new site dedicated to whaling that covers research and relevant news in Japan called Whaling Today. Welcome to our Twitter space, and it's nice to have you, Jay. Thank you. Yeah, it's great to. Hear from everyone again. I love working with you guys, and I'm excited about our talk today. All right. Well, thank you, Jay. Well, I, I promise to visit uh, your place in Taiji, uh, which <laughs> is located about five or six hours from Tokyo. It's uh, you know much far away from uh, the island of Guam, United States. <laughs> well, I, I planned two times, right, Jay? I think,、uh, but because of the corona situations, I couldn't visit to you. But this year. Well, I make the promise. <laughs> <laughs> great, we're waiting. Yeah, we can have a Twitter space from here as well.、It'd、be great. Yo, that sounds good. <laughs> well, and、uh, I want to mention one more thing that you know, our reporter、uh, Ariel uh, is uh, introduced by Jay, right? Could you、yes. tell me about that a little bit? <laughs> our secret. Want to do the honors? Yes. Right.、Uh, okay. Uh, While、well, we're going to start,、uh, I think you know、uh, we want to know about more about Tai Chi, right? And、uh, could you tell us about Tai Chi, where you know the Tai Chi is located, where you are, and uh, uh, what place you're living? You know,、uh, how how is the life there? All those things, Jay? Yeah, sure, I'd, I'd love to.、Um, so people in Tai Chi often joke and say that it's the Japanese Tibet because it's so far <laughs> away from anything.、Um, like you said, Naito-san, it takes seven hours、um, seven. or more to get from Tokyo to here, which is farther than other like Okinawa and other places.、Um, it's on. It's very near the southern tip of Honshu, the main island in Japan.、Um, and it juts. If you look at a map, there's a little bit of Honshu, the main island, that juts out into the、uh, Pacific, and that right on that tip is is Tai Chi. And it sits right on the route,、uh, the migration route of a, of a number of、um, a bunch of different kinds of sea life that includes whales and dolphins. And so it has a really long history of hunting、um, whales and dolphins that come up up and down、um, during the seasons. And、uh, many people,、uh, English speaking listeners that、uh, know the town about, will probably know it from ten years ago. There was a, a movie about the town called The Cove,、uh, very critical of the local dolphin hunts here. So it's kind of well known internationally in a. Strange way, and in, within Japan, it's known as more of a whaling town, I think, than the dolphin hunting. Yeah, well, I need to be there. Well, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, please come. Yeah, yeah okay. Well, thanks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.、Uh, while you were doing your research there and just living there,、um, what aspects have you seen firsthand of you know this fishing town?、Uh, yeah, so I was I. I, I, it's hard for me to separate what's、uh, special about Taiji and what's about being in small towns. Because until I came to Taiji, I lived in、uh, Tokyo and Osaka, very big cities. So、mm-hmm. it's my first time living in a little town like this. There's only now there's less than when I first came here. There are three thousand two hundred people. Now there's only twenty seven hundred. So it's a really small town, and、um, you know everyone knows each other. I, you know my I don't lock my and now people come break down my house, but I never lock my doors. My keys are always in my car.、Um, mm-hmm. You know you don't have to worry about safety or anything. Everybody knows everyone. So. Yeah, there's no secrets, but、um, you don't have to worry about that.、Um, and as a fishing town,、um, it is an active, you know, living, breathing fishing town. Like when people, most of the guys I know on the weekends when they have spare time, they go out and fish.、Um, some of them wake up early before work to get a few hours of fishing in.、Um, many of them are professional fishermen, so it's a definitely a living, breathing fishing town. And as far as the whaling aspect goes,、um, a lot of I find a lot of times whaling in Japan is kind of a cultural、uh, thing that、um, they tend to. 
put up as, as sort of a, a tradition that's not really alive anymore. But I think it's in Taiji, you can very honestly say that um, it's a very living, breathing um, tradition because I'm, this office I'm in right now, my home, little office is next to the supermarket. And right now they have whale on sale. Um, people have it regularly. Last week there was a big catch and everyone is sharing and having dinners with whale and dolphins. So um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a very living, real cultural um, heritage that's still going here in Taiji. Wow, sounds really exciting. <laughs> okay, thanks. And uh, we want to talk about more like, uh, you know, the food and uh, what kind of, you know, <laughs> the food you're eating. <laughs> but yeah. uh, before that, I think uh, we need to talk about the uh, the topics that uh, we, we plant, right? <laughs> yeah, so, so Jay, we asked you to put this Twitter space together, what um, topics you'd be interested in talking. And the first one was um, you wanted to have a look back at the Taiji dolphin hunting season. So for our listeners, could you maybe say what's so significant about um, this recent season and um, some more information on that? Okay, yeah. So uh, as foreign listeners may know um, from the movie, uh, every year from September through February, they can hunt through March, but they go out every day from September through February. There's a, a small group of fishermen in a, um, it's a union called the Isana Union, and they go out every morning and, and hunt dolphins and small whales near the coast. And um, that union's been going for about 50 years now. And uh, from about 20 years ago, uh, foreigners that uh, believe that dolphins and whales should be treated differently than other animals have been coming to Taiji and protesting. And... Um, it's been, it's a very common uh, sight now here. Many, many of the locals are used to it. There's often whenever there's a drive hunt, the word gets out immediately and people that aren't working or have spare time line the coast to watch the drive hunts. And alongside them have long been um, a number of activists filming and um, broadcasting the hunts around the world. But what's interesting in the last couple of years is that foreigners, because of Corona, can't get in the country. Um, and so up until two or three years ago, it was mainly foreign activists that were doing this. And now um, it's kind of been handed over to a new generation of Japanese activists. So they're still here and they're still broadcasting, but it's, it's mainly... Um, Japanese domestically raised, you know, a groups. Um, that's kind of a new thing that's happening. That's interesting to watch. Um, yeah. Go sorry. I think yours. Oh, okay. Um, so, uh, could you also like you explained a little bit of the background and you talked a little bit about how most people will know the city through the cove, but um, could you tell us a bit more about how you got to the town in the first place? Right. I understand that you came there initially because you were a reporter, right? Yeah, I used to work for the AP, the Associated Press, and um, there were very few of us in the office, uh, so we often got to cover all kinds of different topics like you do now, Ariel, for um, Japan Forward. Mm -hmm. but, yeah. yeah, so anything that came up, we handled. I think there were four or five of us at the time. So um, when The Cove, the movie, um, started generating publicity, it was a minor, relatively unknown documentary at first, but then it did well at Ken's and it did well um, at various places, so we could see it building momentum. And then suddenly it was nominated for an Academy Award um, mm -hmm. in 2010. Uh, so my bureau chief decided that one of us had to go to Taiji, even though it was so far away, and just be there just in case it won, on the off chance it won the award. So I was the one that went, and I came here for the first time, um, and it won while I was here. So I wrote it, the first article after the Academy Award that kind of just showed the town's reaction to the, the award, which wasn't, um, they weren't overly impressed, to be honest. But um, yeah, that was the first time I came, and I really fell in love with the town, and just such an interesting, beautiful, it's an incredibly, shockingly beautiful place, um, really quiet, um, no convenience stores, no, you know, there's one uh, supermarket, you know, just a very quiet, down-to-earth, laid-back place. And it's at the center of all this controversy, which is a really interesting uh, juxtaposition. Mm -hmm. And as you mentioned, the, the, you know, the controversy has also brought a lot of media attention, right? And a lot of, and I think that a lot of uh, films and documentaries have been made uh, about this town. Um, since you've been there, what can you say about, you know, how the 
the debate has developed, for example, in movies and documentaries? What have you observed like during this time? Yeah. Great question. So um, those who watch The Code, which is now getting on in years, but um, the main thrust of that movie was that it was an environmental issue, that um, they were hunting too many dolphins. And if they kept going, the dolphins were going to disappear, um, kind of an endangered, kind of linking it to the Save the Whales movement. And there was also a bit in The Code about uh, there's a mercury issue where um, <laughs> many animals that are um, apex predators, including dolphins, but also uh, big tuna and other uh, larger fish accumulate um, all the mercury and, and other uh, byproducts that have been come up through the seafood chain. Um, so dolphins are one of those. So there was an issue in the movie about, you know, if you eat too much dolphin meat, you, you might be exposing yourself to mercury. So basically in, in, in some, I would say it was an environmental, um, it was arguing from an environmental angle. Like if you hunt them, they'll, they'll disappear from a, you know, endangered mm -hmm. species and also, you know, environmentally they might be dangerous to your health. Um, but as it turns out, the, um, none of the, there's nine species that are allowed to be hunted now in Taiji. At the time there were only seven. Now there's nine, two more have been added. Um, but none of the nine are endangered. Um, so the number problem is not really an issue, I don't think. Um, so it's not the matter of the numbers declining. Mm -hmm. And then as far as the mercury issue, they hired, um, the town actually hired uh, top scientists from um, down in Kyushu. Um, and you may be familiar with the Minamata uh, disease. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, yeah. Disaster, yeah. So that, um, after that, they built a, the government built a massive cutting edge mercury lab. Um, down in Minamata, and they hired or asked those scientists to come up to Taiji and test the entire population, which they did. And they found high levels of mercury higher than the rest of the population, but no um, health effects. So I think both of the main arguments that were in the cove, the environmental issues, have been kind of dealt with. Um, so in the 10 years since, and over maybe 11 years since, the argument has kind of shifted to, um, well, dolphins are perhaps more intelligent and should be treated a little bit differently than other animals. Um, they shouldn't be kept in small cages. And it's kind of become more of an emotional or animal rights based movement, I would say. Mm -hmm. Okay, really interesting. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> well, I sort of come at it from the research angle, but I've followed your writing on whaling today and also um, taken a look a little bit at what the Institute of Cetacean Research is doing. I know that you collaborate with them for the Whaling Today uh, website. Um, and it seems to me that Japan is the one doing all the whaling research. Is there any other nation that is doing as much as Japan is on whaling research? Yeah, it's a great question. So the, um, the International Whaling Commission, um, which was created in the 40s, right after World War II, to kind of monitor the whaling industry, um, is the main kind of international body right now that does whaling research. And um, as we know, um, it's in, in the 80s, uh, whaling was banned internationally. And part of the, it was meant to be a 10-year moratorium when whaling was first banned. And part of the conditions of the moratorium were that uh, the body would conduct research and figure out if there are enough whales, you know, which stocks were sufficient to restart whaling in 10 years because of the moratorium. But um, around that time, the Save the Whale movement became strong and not many nations have any need to hunt whales. And so it kind of became a de facto permanent ban on whaling. And um, Japan, in the meantime, continued to research to prove that certain species, including the mink whales, which they, the minke whales, which they hunt, you know, most have plenty of numbers and, and hunting a few hundred a year probably wouldn't damage things environmentally. Um, and that's kind of what's been going on now. And interestingly, the IWC still conducts research every year. And America is one of the bigger, actually, I think America has more scientists than Japan does on that. There's a joint research project from the IWC called the Power. It's uh, Pacific Ocean Whale and Ecosystem Research Program or something like that. And um, uh, yeah, power uh, around the North Pacific. And uh, America has the most scientists, I think, but Japan also puts a large number and they do non-lethal research. Um, but they're still, you know, actively, I think it's on the 10th year now, they're still actively conducting all kinds of research, um, listening to sonar, doing biopsies, um, counting numbers. Um, yeah, so the research is definitely ongoing. And well, total, yeah. 
Well, Japan withdrew from the IWC, didn't it? So it's still doing research, though, with the research body of the IWC. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, it's a great question. Yeah, thank you. So, um, yeah, the IWC is the main body. And then when it was originally set up, it was meant to be a science-based organization. So there's a scientific committee that's supposed to analyze the numbers and give recommendations to the main body. And Japan famously withdrew from the main body, but still attends the meetings of the scientific committee, um, giving data and cooperating through these uh, studies like the power study. So if, uh, how much of it does Japan do? Uh, like Japan, I know, goes into the Antarctic a lot, not just the North Pacific. So um, are other countries researching in the Antarctic uh, and around the Japanese coasts and following the whale populations there? How does it work? What can you tell us about this research and how it goes on? Because it seems to me that uh, for understanding the, the international whaling issue, you sort of have to have an idea of what the actual science is going on. Yeah, great question. So Japan has... Um, aside from the power one I mentioned, Japan has its own called JASS, Japan Abundance and Stock Structure, I think is okay. a study that they do. Um, and that's a non-lethal, just sightings and, um, again, biopsies. And uh, that's done in the Antarctic. So they send a ship and they have a, they've developed their own special drone. As you can, there's an article on um, whaling today. But they are still actively doing that research. And then the country, many countries itself do their own, of course, independent research funded by universities and governments. But I think um, the international one, the main one is the IWC. Um, Japan's research is aimed at restarting whaling. They're trying to prove that there's enough whales. Um, you know, the numbers are sufficient to where taking a few hundred or, you know, be a big issue. But I think globally, I mean, everyone knows the, the, the debate's kind of moved on to, you know, we don't hunt whales, we don't kill whales. So I'm not sure, um, yeah, that, that research will ever, um, you know, come to fruition, unfortunately. But um, yeah, there's research going on all, all over. I think many countries do independent ones. The interesting ones are the international ones because um, politically, uh, you know, in the, in the debate forum, they're always clashing with each other, Australia, Japan, America. But um, research-wise, they're really cooperating. A lot of the scientists are on a first-name basis and, and share research all the time. Well, that's so interesting because it seems like it's such a contentious issue in the public eye. Right. Uh, it would be interesting to know more about that. Maybe you can write about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm writing an article right now with one of the scientists who was, who's been on there uh, over two decades on the scientific committee. Wow. Yeah. So can we look for that on Whaling Today in the next yeah. few weeks or so? Yeah. That'll be there soon, yeah, for sure. All right. Uh, if Japan stopped collecting the information, who would do it on the the like the minke whales and things like that? Would somebody well, think, pick it up? Uh, the IWC, as I said, they they do joint research, and a, a lot of countries do, um, you know, their own independent research. But I think um, the main thing Japan is has kind of taken on is the stock research, like what the the numbers. Because if you're interested in sustainably hunting something, you have to know how many are out there. So I think that's where Japan is kind of taking the lead is um, stock numbers. Whereas other research seem to be more uh, interested in their, you know, how they behave and where they mate and how they communicate and the intelligence and more things along that side. So I think where Japan's kind of leading the world is, is numbers, like raw numbers of how many are out there. Oh, that's, a, that's an important factor. Yeah. Uh, thanks, Jay. I'm going to look for your article in the next weeks. Okay, great. Uh, and, yeah. Hey, Jay. So you mentioned that um, because of the corona situation that um, international activists have kind of like disappeared and it's kind of given way to uh, more local or domestic activists and dem demos. Can you give more information about that? Yeah, to me, that's been the most interesting thing of, of being here, totally unexpected. So, um, and there's an image in Japan of the foreign activists of the quote unquote Sea Shepherd, you know, dressed in all black with the uh, Jolly Roger, the, you know, skull and crossbones kind of logo. Um, but that's totally different than what happens now. So um, initially it was almost all foreigners and then um, a, from a few years ago, I think four or five years ago, a few Japanese that had some international connection began to join the foreigners when they came to Taiji. And 
help out um, with the research, not the research, with the broadcast I do here when they film the hunts and send it out to the world. And slowly, slowly, that number was growing. And then suddenly, three years ago, the foreigners couldn't get in the country. So they were suddenly um, thrust into the main role. So now there's two, I think, two main groups that come now of Japanese activists. Um, one is based in Osaka, and they were originally dealing with, uh, you know, uh, cats, like wild cats, um, and trying to stop cats from being killed at shelters and things. And they kind of um, broadened out into other animals, and they kind of took on the taiji uh, role. And what they do every year on September, the, the hunts begin on September 1st. So uh, the weekend before, the nearest weekend, they usually have a, they invite all kinds of um, protesters. They have a group that comes. They do protests all over for various uh, topics. But one they do every year is they come to Taiji. And last year, this year, or September, this season, there was about 50 of them um, marauding through town. Um, so that's one. And then they come once or twice a month, they come and do a, a protest in front of the, there's a big aquarium here that has all nine species that they catch. So they do a protest in front of there. That's one. And then totally separate one is a group called LIA, um, Liberation Institute for Animals. I can't remember exactly. But, um, and they're, uh, they've kind of taken on exactly the role that activists used to do. They, come, they wake up every morning, watch the fishermen. If there's a hunt, they broadcast it. So they're incredibly active. And what's interesting for me is that all these uh, Japanese activists are vegan and very into the vegan movement. So they see the Taiji hunts as kind of very connected to animal rights. Um, they're not protesting um, the meat-eating part of it. I mean, the local uh, food culture part of it, as much as they are just in general, the meat eating part of it, the whole thing of eating an animal in general. And they also are very against uh, keeping animals in ca captivity. So they've kind of plugged this dolphin issue into a much broader um, animal rights issue. Like 10 years ago, a lot of people would protest, the activists that were here would protest the hunts and then go eat yakiniku or, you know, have a burger or something. They weren't exactly connecting. But now um, all the activists that come are strong vegans, don't wear leather, um, don't even, like when I took some for an interview, they wouldn't allow honey in their drinks. Uh, in their tea. So um, it's it's totally twisted around to where now it's um, tightly connected to the growing vegan movement, which I think is really interesting to watch. Mm -hmm. um, just to follow up on this, um, yeah. how, like how, because for our foreign audience, they might not be aware of this, but uh, how you said that it's a growing vegan movement. Yeah. Um, would you say that there are quite a few vegans in Japan or it's still a relatively niche uh, thing? What, what is your take on from your perspective, obviously. I can't find data, like that's a great question, but um, there's no question that um, it's growing. Like uh, there's a Moss Burger new here, which is a big uh, Japanese chain and they now offer a vegan burger. And just as in the States, mm -hmm. uh, Burger King and McDonald's have started to, you know, have their own vegan vegetable based mm -hmm. products. It's starting to happen here in the convenience store. You can sometimes find vegan beef jerky and there's restaurants mm -hmm. slowly growing. So I don't know the numbers, but there's no question that it's slowly but surely taking root. Um, I would. Um, also say that the activists are, you know, by nature, activists are extreme, you know, on the very tip of the movement. So they're all or nothing. But a number of people, I would say a large people are willing to try vegan burgers. Like I'll try, you know, meat. It doesn't mean you go 100%, but um, definitely meat eating is decreasing in the States. And I think that will come to Japan eventually. Where you don't have to have a burger every single time. You can have some of these uh, alternative products. So, yeah, but there's no question there's a movement afoot for sure. And what's really interesting is that there's a, a long religious uh, history in Japan of you know, not completely vegan, but close to vegan, that's based in um, a religious um, structure. And the Japanese activists have not taken that at all. They've imported everything. So the vegan they're doing is completely unrelated to um, mm -hmm. what you'd see in temples or shrines, um, more temples. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, it's completely imported from America. And they use katakana words, they use foreign words to describe it. And so it's a completely mm -hmm. imported brand of veganism. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It'll be interesting to see how it develops. For sure. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. and also, um, Japan, as you know, consumes uh, more fish per capita, I think, than or more tuna per capita than most countries in the world. So mm -hmm. when you say veganism, you're not just talking about meat, which most people think of, but you're also talking about fish and you know, all living things. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think it's 
it's, it's a stretch for many people here. You can maybe imagine less beef or less chicken, but for a town like this, which, you know, everyone eats fish every day is not, to, that's not an exaggeration to ask mm-hmm. them to stop eating any animals at all. I think is a, it's quite a jump um, for most people here to get their head around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I can see what you mean. Yeah. yeah. So um, you're right there in a very uh, sort of uh, Inaka countryside part of Japan that um, is beautiful and picturesque and has a still small town feel, as you've described it. You don't even have to lock your house. Yeah. Um, what kind of festivals and things like that does it have? Because Japan is really famous for its festivals, too. Are there any festivals built around the whaling? Yeah, that's a great question. So I lived before I came here, I lived in Shibuya, which is right in the middle of Tokyo for maybe, I think, 15 years. And they had a festival every year. And it was just a few guys that would get together and kind of march down the street and they would invite anyone. We didn't really know each other. It wasn't much of a community, but they, um, the long time residents would invite anyone to join. Come on, have a beer with us, you know, march down. And so we'd do that for a few hours or watch and then that would be it. And I thought that was kind of the, the thing for festivals. You know, I didn't really get it. And then coming out here, the festival is like the peak of the year for many people here. That's why some people say they live in town just for the festival so they can join every year. So it is a big deal for everyone. And well, what, what does it yeah. involve? Tell us, tell us. Yeah. The autumn, the main one here is the autumn festival. Um, and yeah, it's not direct. It has some um, connections to whaling, but it's more just um, to celebrate, you know, a, a year of, of healthy living and um, to, to wish for a going forward, a, a good harvest at sea of all animals. And um, basically it involves a lot, a lot of alcohol. Um, I would say more than anything, but um, yeah, they, uh, the night of the festival, they, they, um, omikoshi, these like uh, hand carried kind of, I don't know what you'd call it, like a, like a carriage or something. Yeah. Every town has a little one in, in, in Taiji, of course, it's a sake barrel. There's no special, some of them are very ornate gold plated, you know, um, incredibly valuable and old, but in Taiji, it's kind of a beat up barrel. And the, the God is the local God is said to live inside the local deity. And what they do every year, he, he, they carry the deity out once per year, um, kind of march all over town with it. There's a route they go. And, um, you know, chanting, screaming, everyone's, um, and in Taiji, another thing you do is everyone paints their face white and wears the same clothes. So it's supposed to give you a measure of anonymity. So you're not sure who's carrying, who's doing the chanting. And it's just supposed to be, I think it's all small towns. Um, the festival is a really core part of the year. People relate, uh, talk about how many months before the festival, how many um, months after the festival. And they remember years based on, oh, that was the year of the festival when they crashed into the car. They used to be quite unreal. I've seen a few, I join every year just because I think they're hilarious and, and good fun. Um, and I've seen a few fights and, you know, um, slight accidents, but now the police are everywhere to keep it under control. But I guess in the old days, it was, you know, anything goes type of thing. People would board up their houses and stuff. It's the, in a tiny community like this, everyone has to, you know, fit in and obey. And I think that was supposed to be the one kind of gasket for the year where everyone could just kind of cut loose. And I think that's another reason they they painted their face and were anonymous so that uh, no one would know who did what, but now everyone's <laughs> shaped differently. So yeah, you know, I stand out. Well, yeah, a lot as well. Um, that sounds yeah. really great. <laughs> yeah. It's fun. Yeah. And then there's also more recent, that's that festival is hundreds of years old. There's also more recent, there's a, a whale uh, festival, they call it, which is um, they take a big chunk of, of town and clear all the cars out and everything out. And they put a booth and you can try all different kinds of local whale dishes. And um, they even let you ride on the, they do a little tour. You can ride on a whaling boats, the fishing boats, and they take a little tour around town. So that's another one that happens in November, usually. The main one is in um, October. So do you write about these festivals when they come around? Because it seems like that would be something to draw people to Taiji. Maybe I think, they're just interested in the town and, and the traditions there. Yeah, the main autumn festival, actually there's festivals all over Japan. So it doesn't feel, you know, if you're interested in small town festival, that happens anywhere. But the, the one in uh, November, the whale festival is very interesting. If you're interested in um, just trying different foods and they do different dances, um, traditional dances and people kind of, it's a, it's a pretty big event. People get together. And of course you can ride on the boats with the fishermen and kind of get a fisherman's eye view of the town from the ocean. 
which is interesting. Actually, that's the part I'd like the best. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's interesting. The, the, and they all do it for free. The fishermen donate their time and the fuel and the you know the boats, the use of the boats because they're just out of pride. I think to that, show people. Yeah, that's yeah. incredible. Really incredible. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. And I, I, gosh, I want to you know be there for the free sake and uh, the, the free <laughs> yeah. meal and. <laughs> That sounds good. And uh, well, David, uh, how how do you live there? I mean, you know, you eat well meat every day, or what? Or what is the you know the the basic uh, nutrition there? I mean, <laughs> yeah. Well, um, if you come to, I mean, I didn't really think about it before I came, and maybe uh, most people don't. But if you, as an American, where no one has eaten well, I mean, there's very few examples of Americans eating well, um, even when it was plentiful. So, and it's kind of it's it's a non-starter in America to say that someone would eat whale or dolphin. Um, so you have to make your own decision when you come to a place like this. And my, my friends are often surprised, you know, but for me, I thought about it a lot. And um, I drew a line that said uh, in my mind, as long as it's not endangered, I eat other kinds of meat. So I don't see why um, I wouldn't eat whale or dolphin. I don't think you can argue. A lot of people argue intelligence or different things, but I don't see there's a big difference between um, cows and pigs, which is a whole nother debate. But anyway, in my mind, I decided if it's not endangered, I'm willing to eat it. Um, so uh, here, yeah, I don't eat it every day, but many Many families have it quite often, but I don't um, prepare it myself. But if I go to someone's house, like I went to someone's house a couple of days ago and they had a, some um, dethawed whale meat. If it's there, I'll, I'll have it. And there's all different, every family has a different recipe and there's all different ways to prepare it. And um, yeah, so occasionally, yeah, I, I definitely take part of it if it's offered. Yeah, more fish, I think. Fish is always 100% going to be present. And if you go to a fisherman's house, there'll probably be a whiskey or sake involved. <laughs> yeah. So, just to follow up on that question, Jay, would you say yeah. your diet has changed since you moved to Taiji? Oh, night and day. Yeah. I mean, living in the city, as you know, is a, a lot of people that come to Japan, well, fortunately, unfortunately, think that Tokyo is Japan or the city is Japan, you know, and there's basically two Japans. There's a city life and then there's country life. That's probably true in any country, but it's, for me, it was shocking. I'd lived in Japan 15, over 15 years before I moved out to the countryside. It's the pace is different. Um, the, the, you have interactions with everyone, you know, totally connected to your community. When I lived in Japan, I was in the same apartment for 10 years. I didn't, I just said, good morning, you know, why was I most of my neighbors, but we never had any real interaction. But here, I mean, I know my neighbors, they they sometimes come to my house and put my laundry in when it's raining. Um, I'm often get vegetables. So everyone's always trading goods. Mm -hmm. If I get too many food, I give it to somebody else. And yeah, it's, it's a totally different communal part type of living for sure, for better, or for worse. You also have no privacy. So whether you like that or not, everyone knows what time you come home, what time you go to bed and what you're doing. So <laughs> that's interesting. Yeah. yeah, it's fun. Yeah. I remember the anecdote that you told us uh, one time about how you had once lost your hat and somebody brought it back to your ginkan, right? To inside your house, you dropped it somewhere, right? Is that correct? Or? Yeah, I wear a really ugly hat here. So people will know that I'm not an activist. It's a bright neon a green hat that everyone knows. I just wear it so the fishermen, everyone can tell that I'm, it's me and not somebody they don't know. Um, so I lost it. I'm, I'm the only person that would ever own a hat like that. So they knew it was mine. And it, it's happened a few times and I always bring it back to my, leave it on my house and my doorknob. Jay, you lost your ugly hat again. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. But, but what, yeah. What do you think about, you know, living uh, as a foreigner in a very time, well, very small community? Uh, you feel good or bad? What, uh, what is your feeling? So in a town like this, they have the phrase, Yosomono, like outsider, yeah. um, that they refer to people, not foreigners, just Japanese people, even that weren't born here. Mm. And even if there's people I know that have lived here 30 years, like a, a good friend of mine, she married a, a man from Taiji, you know, over 30 years ago, she has two kids, she has grandkids, but they still refer to her as, you know, outsider, even though she's been here longer than some of the people have been alive. Um, so I'm in that class of kind of outsider, but because I'm a an outsider among the outsiders, like a foreigner outsider, you know, even worse, I kind of, it kind of gets flipped around and people just treat me 
in my own category, which is fine with me. So I'm okay, you know, with this. Some people don't like having me here and some people do, but you know, I'm kind of my own class, you know, I guess. So um, there's, there's two or three other foreigners here and occasionally I'll meet them. And um, some people get along with it and some people really don't like being, you know, separated, but I'm okay with, I'm fine with it. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, Jay. Yeah. All right, Jay. I think, um, wait, just, just quick vibe check in the room. Any last questions for Jay? No, good. We're good. Yeah, it was very concise. When's your, when's your next article coming out? <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully next week, yeah. I'll, I'll try to get next week. I had a great talk with Pato Sensei, who was, a, who was the one I was talking about, who was on the scientific committee. Uh -huh. He has a great, yeah. A lot of oh, interesting well, things there. Yeah. Looking forward to that. Thanks. Yeah, thank you. Really yeah. looking forward to read that article too. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. All right. So, Jay, thank you for your time in speaking with us today. We enjoy the insights you share of living in Taiji and about a topic that is mostly misunderstood. Um, and before we wrap up, do you yourself have any announcements or anything you'd like to share to our listeners? Yeah, I would say, I'd really say strongly, if you have an opportunity, especially if you're an English speaker and um, you have interest in Japan, like you should try to make the chance to come out here. Um, it's a totally different world than Tokyo. And whether however you feel about whaling, pro, against, or, you know, neutral, it's just a part of Japan that, you know, doesn't get a lot of attention. Right 10 minutes from here is a um, national heritage or international heritage site, um, the Kumano Kodo, uh, which is the Kumano old road, you know, which is, you know, thousand millennium old. And it's just great hiking and amazing fresh food and people willing to talk to you. And you don't, you don't have to worry about you know, losing your way. There's always someone around to drive you somewhere, you know, pick you up. So um, come see it is, I guess, to put it in short, like take the time, you know, you can see a totally different part of Japan. And um, I'm happy to meet anyone that wants to come out and talk about things and introduce fishermen if we can. And yeah, so if, if you can, if you have the means and the time, please, please take the journey out and take a look around. You'll see a totally new part of Japan. Yeah. Yes, I totally agree. So yes, yeah. please read Jay's articles on Japan Ford and on whaling today. Thank you for joining us today. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We also have a YouTube channel and our this recording will be distributed on Spotify and Apple Music. Make sure you subscribe to that as well. We'll do this again next week, but actually we have one tomorrow, which will be in Japanese. So keep an eye out for announcements on Twitter. Thank you, everybody. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Real Issues, Real Voices, Real Japan podcast by Japan Forward. Visit our website for more information regarding our podcast and other news on Japan. Catch you next time.